four, and we're in a series called Hard Rock, talking about the rock-solid gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we're in this series called Hard Rock, where the title of this morning's message is Tripping Hazard. Tripping Hazard. And the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, and it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray today that we would become founded on the rock-solid gospel of Jesus Christ. So when the rains come and the winds blow and the storms occur, we will not fall, but we will stand strong with your word well in hand and change the world that we live in. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. And many of you know we're in a theme this whole year called REACH, which stands for Raising Eternal and Community Hope. And what we're doing with the rock-solid gospel of Jesus Christ is this. We're influencing a 20-mile radius. We're transforming the area around us. We're changing the culture of the very city that we live in. We're impacting a four-state area with the DNA of God, letting people know in the four-state area that God is alive and well, and he wants to move in your city like he's moving in our city. But we're igniting nations around the world to see God go forth and do amazing things. We prayed for a couple heading out to Africa this morning during first service, and so keep Brother Tommy and his wife lifted up as they're heading to Africa, and we're igniting nations around the world. Also, uh, Jerry Menard, stand real quick. This is Jerry Menard. He's with Servants of Hope Ministry, amen, in Costa Rica. Many of y'all went on a trip there, and he's back in town for a couple weeks, so y'all make Jerry feel welcome as he's igniting nations around the world in Costa Rica. And Jerry, we're proud of you and Ginger and the work that you guys do. And so as we're doing that, we know that Jesus said this. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man that builds his house on the rock. And notice in Jesus' speaking in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking very intellectual and educational to inform the people about what's going on and about the next three-year ministry that he will do. He's speaking in a very teaching manner because the, the Bible says the disciples came to him and he taught them. But at the very end of his whole Sermon on the Mount discourse, the, discourse, the end of Matthew chapter 7, he changes the way he speaks. He goes from very instructional and educational to very illustrative. After all the things he said in the Sermon on the Mount, he stops and said, So you and everyone who hears these words of mine will be like a man who built a house on a rock and a storm came. And you can sum up all the, what we just read in Matthew 24, 25, 26, and 27 with those four phrases. There was a person who built a house on a rock and there was a storm that came. And so we know that storms in life happen. How many of y'all remember Kane Hurricane Harvey? He's kind of been overshadowed by Miss Irma that's hitting the Florida coast, kind of to be overshadowed by Jose, who's following right behind. And so we, in the past few weeks, have learned a lot about storms in the North Texas area because of all the hurricanes that are happening. And Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and when the storms came, he did not fall. It's our job at TWBC and it's our belief at TWBC that we should be raising up believers that don't collapse during storms, amen, but stand strong on the rock-solid gospel of Jesus Christ. 
But the houses that Jesus is talking about here are different than the houses we see in America today. The houses that they built in Jesus' time were built on what they would call a cornerstone, and we'll get to that message later in the series, the cornerstone, but they would build it on a foundation rock. And as they would build it, they built a house that would not just last for 100 years, but it would be a generational house. And they would build it in such a way where they could add another level on top and another level on top to house two and three and four generations of families. And so Jesus is trying to build something out of you that becomes generational. He's trying to put words in your heart and transform your spirit in such a way that you become a generational believer, that you're able to look to those who are older than you in the preceding generation and reach them with the rock-solid gospel of Jesus Christ, but also to those who are the generation behind you or the due generations behind you to reach them with the rock-solid gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know in every generation we all have our own storms in each generation. But the only thing that's outstood all these storms is the gospel of Jesus Christ in every generation. So the Bible is saying this, and Jesus is saying this, that I need you founded on the rock so you can withstand the storm of every generation, no matter what generation that you're alive in. But you can reach those preceding you and those following you and those of your own generation. So at TWBC, our goal is to build a generational church. We don't want to just build a church of people my age group. We want people who are older. We want people who are younger. We want people all of all ages, walks, and races in our church and become a generational church that's accomplishing kingdom goals and kingdom agendas with the rock-solid gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's where we're jumping into this morning. And as last week, we talked about double-dipping. Our double-dip today is go to Romans chapter number 9. Romans chapter number 9, verse number 30. And I'm proud of all you people who took a step of faith and double-dipped last week for the first time. If y'all don't know what I'm talking about, last week I said, hey, we're double-dipping today. We're reading two scriptures. And I said, when you go eat queso with me at a restaurant, don't worry, I do double-dip. And I use the same chip, and I order my own bowl of queso. And I don't care if you like it or not. I like double-dipping because it's my queso, and I can do what I want to, right? Well, the the Bible, you need to be a double-dipper. You need to go for it once, but then you need to go for it again, amen. Take two and three and four dips with you being the one who's hungering after the things of God. And so the Bible says in this in Romans chapter number nine, verse number 30, it says this. What shall we say then? It's a question mark. So they're asking a question. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles or people of non-Jewish heritage and background, that would include us in this building. That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it that is a righteousness that is by faith but Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law why because they did not pursue it by faith but as if it were based on works they have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written behold I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling a rock of offense and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame now we got to do a little bit of soul searching here as we start out this morning's message when we always start talking about Jesus Christ we love to stand and declare the promises of God and the names of Jesus like he's the great I am he's the bright morning star he's the king of kings he's the lord of lords he's the lily of the valley he's my all in all he's my great I am he's my peace in the calm of the storm he's my all this stuff and we love to stand and we love to declare it over and over and over again but I never hear many Christians jumping up and down and saying yes he's my stumbling stone yes he's my rock of offense yes I love him 
but it's the same Jesus. So we got to do some soul searching this morning. And do we only like the good things about Jesus, the part that blesses our soul? Or do we want all of Jesus, even the part of him that we may not understand that may offend us or we may stumble over? We, see, we got to do some soul searching in the church, and especially Western culture and American Christianity, where we want the good things of God and the blessing of heaven, but not the cost that comes with it. We would say, God, bless America, rather than saying, America, when can we stand and bless our God again? See, when it costs us something, God's not fun anymore. Jesus, are you really worth it anymore? But if it's the same Jesus that we declare as the great I am, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the bright morning star, the lily of the valley, if he's the same Jesus as the rock of offense and the stumbling stone, shouldn't we praise him all the same? So for an illustration this morning, i got to go back here to this back part of the stage. Because I went to the fountain, the river, a couple weeks ago, and picked up a rock. And although it's not very big, it is kind of heavy. You want to hear? Glad that missed my toe. And as we stand here and as we look at this rock, are we going to praise him as the king of kings as well as what the Bible just says here? See, I have placed in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense in our life. See, and as we read this this morning and read that passage of scripture, the great thing about it is if you're close enough to stumble over him, you're actually close enough to touch him. But a lot of us don't like the stumbling process. And here I'm going to tell you, if you don't understand something about Jesus, it's better to stumble over him and touch him than to die in your ignorance and never find him. It's better to stumble over him and touch him than to die in your ignorance and never find him. But when we fall and we stumble over it, most of us wake up and we look at the rock and we begin to curse the rock. How in the world could that be in my way? Maybe you were in the rock's path and the rock wasn't in your way. How in the world would I trip over that? And we get offended at the rock. But remember, he's still the great I am. He's still the bright morning star. He's still the king of kings. He's still the Lord of lords. He's still the lily of the valley. He's still all those amazing things that we talk about over and over and over. And we need to learn to praise Jesus the same in this moment. Now, this isn't, some of y'all are probably thinking, well, pastor, this isn't kind of the normal message you preach. Well, I don't want you to get normal results this morning. I want you to get different results this morning. A.W., or, or uh, I want this point right here says, dependency will open up perceptibility. Maybe you tripped over him because you weren't looking for him. Maybe you tripped over him because you weren't watching where you were going. But when dependency opens up perceptibility, not perspective, but perceptibility, the, the ability to be able to see and hear and touch, when your dependency opens up perceptibility, you'll maybe see the rock and stand on him rather than keep walking in your own ways and trip over him. See, your dependency on him will open up your perceptibility in him and of him, and he won't be a stumbling stone anymore, but he'll become your firm foundation. 
your chief cornerstone, which you can be founded on for a generational believer to come into your life. But the issue is we get offended because we trip over what we were never looking for. And it's time that we start looking for Jesus like never before. A.W. Tozer said this, the tragedy in the church today is that from childhood to old age, men have only known a synthetic God compounded of only logic and theology, having no eyes to see and no ears to hear. And this is where Jesus Christ, the bright morning star, the great I am, the lily of the valley, becomes the stumbling stone and the stone of offense. It's because we've been worshiping God in a synthetic fashion with only logic and theology, and we have no eyes to see and no ears to hear who he truly is, and so we stumble over him, but then we get mad at the stumbling process instead of praising him for the eye-opening thing that he's brought into our life. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. So let's talk about a couple tripping hazards here this morning. Tripping hazard number one happens in Hebrews 11 verse 3. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now I want to focus on the first four words this morning. It says, By faith we understand. Most Christians, when we read this, we say, we understand by faith. That's not what it said. It says, by faith, we then come into a realm of understanding. A lot of Christians read it, by understanding Jesus, then I'll come into a knowledge of faith. That is not what it says. And tripping hazard number one is we're approaching God through intellect and understanding rather than through faith. Because listen, look at the next slide that I'm going to put up. The tripping hazard is truly this. Faith comes through revealed knowledge, which will lead to intellectual understanding. So by faith, God reveals himself to us, and then we can walk into a realm of understanding. It does not occur if I read and I study and I get enough intellectual understanding, then maybe he'll reveal himself to me, then maybe I can walk by faith. No, the whole approach has to be by faith. See, and a lot of us read the word of God and we want to open it up and we want to read it, but we want to read it to gain education and intellectualization and we want to grow in our knowledge, but we don't necessarily want to approach it by faith that it changes us. See, we all want to be able to talk about Jesus, but he want, God wants us to be transformed by Jesus. And so in this, we got to realize that the tripping hazard number one, it says, by faith, we then understand, this is the same thing we talked about last week in Matthew 16, verse 17, when he said, And Jesus answered Peter and said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood or intellect has not revealed this to you, but by my Father who is in heaven. Flesh and blood and human intellect did not reveal to Peter who Jesus was. Only the Father did. So as we begin to study the scriptures, if we begin to approach the scriptures, we must begin to approach it by the, 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 the correct manner. And the approach to the father has always been through faith. Abram, the father of faith, before his name was even changed to Abraham. Abram, the father of faith, God came to him and he said, go to a land that I'll show you. Where are you going? He didn't give him the answer. He said, just start going and I'll tell you when you get there. I'm telling you, his approach was by faith. And then he gained an understanding later when he was in the place where God showed him me. Sometimes you got to follow God by faith, even when it seems weird about where you're going. Listen, my parents, when we moved down here when I was six, man, that was a long time ago. <laughs> 34 years ago now, God said, move your family to Sulphur Springs, Texas, where you know nobody you have no relatives, you have no connections, and I need you to trust me as you go. 
They uprooted four kids and two people and got in a, a rider truck and a car that was about to break down. We each had probably about a half a suitcase worth of clothes and came down here and moved into Spanish Trail's apartment right over there uh, across from Helm Lane Apartments, basically. And we lived there for about a year, and we had no clue why they moved us here. They were following the voice of God. And there's a lot of other stuff that goes into that story. But I'm telling you, they packed us up and brought us to a place that they did not know. And the result of it is TWBC. See, you may not know in the moment what God's trying to do for a lifetime. But they didn't come by understanding to get revealed knowledge to walk by faith. They walked by faith and God revealed it to them. And now looking back on it, we understand the whole plan of God for the lives of not just my parents, but for their kids, but now for their grandkids. And I ain't prophesying nothing over Jeff and Amy in the next 10 years. Amen. Because <laughs> I know mommy and daddy would love to have great grandkids too, but Zach get college and everything else. Amen. Yes, yeah, slow way down. <laughs> so I need you to begin to understand that as we begin to approach the Father, our approach has got to be by faith because it doesn't say we understand by faith. It says by faith we come into a realm of understanding. And we love to say God is omniscient or all-knowing is what that means. That means he possesses all knowledge. And if he possesses all knowledge, why do we want to approach him with our knowledge instead of approaching him by faith? Because when we approach him by faith, he brings us into his knowledge. When we approach him by intellect, it draws God down to our knowledge. Come on now, that's good. And a lot of us have been trying to go, draw God down to our level when God's trying to say, walk by faith, and I can pull you up to my level. Yeah. All right. All right. And I can put you where you need to be. Yeah. And it's a lot like this. How many of y'all have ever flown on an airplane? Hold your hand up real high. Aren't you so glad that the pilot is constantly in communication with the, with the um, air traffic control tower? Yeah. I am so grateful for the air traffic control tower. The air traffic control tower is amazing. Because the air traffic control tower tells the pilot everything he cannot see. And when the pilot is about to land the plane, the pilot is talking to the guy at the air traffic control tower. And the guy at the air traffic control tower is telling the pilot everything he doesn't know. He's telling him what, what, what altitude he needs to be at for a certain time frame before he drops, before he needs to slow his speed down, before he begins to land the plane. And he lands the plane on the correct runway and doesn't say, hey, pilot, just pick a road. <laughs> Come on now. But many times in that, it's the same thing that the pilot is having to approach the destination where he's landing by faith, not by understanding. He has complete faith that that air traffic control tower is telling him what he cannot see. He's got complete faith that that guy with the little microphone, with the headset on, that sees all these blinking lights all on a map of the United States, has got his right plane number and his right destination, and is talking him the whole way down to the right landing until he pulls all the way in, comes to a complete stop, and the, air, and, and the jetway comes and connects to the plane. Then they finally say, good landing. And the pilot the whole time is not landing the plane with understanding he's landing it on faith that the air traffic control tower is telling him what to do but a lot of us want to approach it this way hey guys we're flying at an altitude of 30,000 feet and I'm turning off all communication to my co-pilot my air traffic control pilot I went to aviation school I got this trust me as we land see his intellect is not good enough in that moment for me I want his approach to be different for that when I'm on his plane Y'all can get on whatever plane you want to. 
But you know all the crazy stuff that I do, and if I'm leery about getting on that plane, right. you ought to draw a question mark in your own life. But our approach many times is like that. We approach God through our understanding of our little aviation school, and we limit Almighty God from what He's trying to teach us. Tripping hazard number one is our approach. Our approach has to be by faith. Because by faith, God brings us into his realm of understanding. And when we come into his realm of understanding, he'll be able to give us the intellect and the logic to go along with it. And so I am not saying if God's calling you to go to seminary, don't go to seminary. By all means, sign up today, or you should have signed up yesterday if you know you're supposed to go. Because it has great benefit. But the minute we start putting seminary over the voice of God and the approach gets off, then I'm going to approach God through seminary rather than by faith. Seminary becomes what a lot of them have become, and that's cemetery. And people are dead and dying there all the time rather than hearing the voice of God and starting a movement. I'll just, I'll just quit on that one. <laughs> because formal education is of great benefit. But your formal education does not replace the voice of God. Our approach to God must still always be by faith. Then we come into a realm of understanding because revealed knowledge happens in that process. So as we move forward, we know that our approach has got to be by faith because God is not going to reveal himself to us through flesh and blood. And I'll show you how this works. Some of you this morning, you're like, dang, that's good. I didn't say anything good. It was the Holy Spirit talking to you that was good. Somehow he blessed these crazy East Texan words to relate to you. But it wasn't me that said something so good. It's your spirit connected with the Holy Spirit. And now you're like, dang, I never saw it that way before. And so I want you to be encouraged this morning. If that's happened to you in this message, you're hearing from God. And some of you are like, that's what hearing from God is like? Absolutely, that's what hearing from God is like. It is the eye-opening revelation and illumination of his spirit coming into your life because you approached him by faith. You put faith that you're going to hear the voice of God today when you come to church. And by faith, you now got revelation, which brings you to an understanding. I understand it now, what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. And so I want you to be encouraged and write that down if that's happened to you. And tripping hazard number two is this. Now remember, our approach has got to be by faith. But in our approach, we've got to realize this. Faith obtains everything grace has provided. Faith obtains everything grace has provided. That means faith obtains everything Jesus was died for on the cross and was resurrected for from the grave. Faith obtains all of that because you're saved by grace through faith so it's already there and accessible to you but our approach has got to be a by faith approach not when i understand then i'll get to the blessing of god no it's got to be a by faith approach because faith obtains everything grace has provided or paid for and so in that faith has obtained some things for you and so listen faith is the language of god and bless god's heart he understands crazy east texan but that's why God's so much greater than Siri. You know that, right? Because Siri does not understand East Texan. If you got an iPhone, you know, what he, you know what Siri is. You talk East Texan into your Siri, and she doesn't understand. Siri does not have gift of tongues and interpretation. I'm telling you. But in that, the Father understands 
what the world doesn't understand. And so faith is the language of the Spirit, just as English is our specific vernacular in America, how we communicate. So faith is our specific vernacular or our vocal range in the Spirit that communicates with the Father. Because by faith, we come into understanding. So faith is the language that you speak as a believer when you're in contact with the Father, just like English is the language we speak here in America. And if you go to Costa Rica, it's Spanish. And if you go to, if you go to Brazil, it's Portuguese. And if you go to Russia, it's Russian, obviously. That specific vernacular works for that specific area. But faith is the vernacular of the Spirit that puts us in a communication with God to get into a realm of understanding of His ways. And so everything we do must be done through an attitude of faith. And Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, and this is, the, this is the God version, many of you say. It's the King James version, but um, some of y'all will get that later. It says this in Hebrews eleven six. 6, but without faith, what we just talked about, the language of God, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that God is or have faith that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him by faith. And so we approach God by faith to get revealed knowledge and come into an understanding because by faith we understand of who God really is. And so in this, this brings us back to our tripping hazard that I read in the beginning, Romans 9, 30 through 33. It says, what shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not even pursue righteousness. The Gentiles weren't even looking to get right with God. But listen to what it says. These people who were not even looking to get right with God... They found it. They attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it, the law, by faith, but as if it were based on works. Now, I want to make something really clear in this house this morning. The law of God is perfect. The law of God is holy. The law of God is righteous. The law that he gave the Israelites in the Old Testament was straight from heaven that Moses destroyed and had to go get a second copy. Amen. The law of God is perfect, holy, and righteous. So all the people who say, well, the law is just horrible. No, the law was straight from God, and it was the pathway at that time for the Israelites to have righteousness or a right relationship with the Father. But listen to why it failed. Why did the law become a failure? Because the Bible says this. Because they pursued the law, they did not, because they did not pursue it, the law, by faith. See, even the approach to God in the Old Testament was, hey, here's ten simple commandments, but if you don't approach them by faith in me, you'll fail miserably at the ten. And the law was only like what I would say, it's a straw. It was the, 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 the connecting point from the people of God to the heart or the face of God that the straw was just the avenue to get there. It's a lot like a ladder. But by not pursuing the latter by faith, they failed at it miserably. And so I want to encourage you this morning that any attempt to come before God must be done by faith. Even the Old Testament, they had to approach what God gave them to pursue righteousness by faith. And don't get mad at the Old Testament people. He gave us two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two things, fulfill all the law and all the prophets. Don't get mad at them for not keeping 10. We can't keep two. I'm telling you. Oh, the stumbling stone, the rock of it. How dare you say we can't keep two? Really? 
Because Jesus said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, what we've been studying in, it says this. It says, you say that the Bible says don't murder. I say if you even think badly of your brother. So listen, all you law people that don't like the law, if you think grace is an easy trip to heaven, grace ups the standard. It doesn't lower it. Grace rises it to another level that I, don't, I can't go murder him. I can't even think about murdering him. Because God knows every action begins with the thought of seed in your heart. And he said, I need to prevent the seed so the action never arises. So in this, I need you to understand. Don't bash the people of the Old Testament for not keeping ten when we haven't kept two. But yet, if your approach to the two is still through works and not through faith, you're missing it just like they did in the Old Testament. And so we must get our approach right before the Father. Listen, the failure of the law occurred because their pursuit was to please the law and not please the Father. See, God set a standard called Ten Commandments, and the standard was supposed to exemplify and glorify Him, but their heart turned from pleasing God to just pleasing the law or fulfilling the law. So by this happening, get, get the irony of this, by this happening, they said, I want to please the law and make sure I fulfill the law. They forgot the Father, thus making the law God, and the first law of the Ten Commandments is, you shall have no other God before me. Uh-huh. So by trying to please the law or fulfill the law without faith in the Father, they automatically broke the first of the Ten Commandments, so they said, don't have another God before me. Lord Jesus, drop into their spirit what their mind isn't getting right now. Amen. Some of y'all are looking at me like a calf at a new gate, like, <laughs> What? I mean, I'm telling you, that's, for all those not listening in East Texas, that is East Texas vernacular and slang. <laughs> Calf at a new gate. Okay, so some of the people around the world may not understand that. But I want you to understand, here in this house, the approach to God has got to be by faith. The failure of the law occurred because their pursuit was to please the law and not the Father. The law became their God, thus breaking the first commandment. The question I have for you is, do we want the Word of God or do we want the God of the Word? I'll say that question again. Do we want the word of God, and, and don't get me wrong, I love the word of God. Uh-huh. Ooh, come on. You, nothing sits on top of my word of God. Yeah. When we go into a room, if there's something on top of the Bible, I immediately just gently take it off. Because the, the word of God is, 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 is amazing. It's awesome. But the minute I want the word of God over the God that wrote the word, yeah. the word of God then becomes an idol and I promise the word of God be, will fall on, uh, the word of God will become deaf to me because God say, don't pursue something other than me because I was the one who wrote this. I'm the one who inspired it. This, like the law of the Old Testament, Joel, this is just your ladder. This is just your straw to get you to me. And so I'm not defiling or, or lowering the importance of the legitimacy of the word of God because the written word of God is amazing. It's holy. It's righteous. It's when I need confirmation from something, I don't look for it by the mouths of two or three witnesses. I say, God, I want it in Scripture. And so I hold very high the standard of the word of God. But the only reason I hold it so high is because I want the God of the word more than just the word of God. Because just the word of God will make you live a pharisaical um, unrighteous and rebellious religious life and not live a spirit-filled joyful life where lives are transformed and souls are saved in your midst so the question is do you want the word of God or do you want the God of the word because this is just a pathway to get you to the heart of the father and to get you in his presence and many have tripped by just settling for the word of God without the God who gives the words life and so don't trip over that hazard 
this morning. And finally, I want to close with this. It gets bad enough sometimes that tripping hazard number three takes place. And we would rather be wrong and die in our offense rather than embrace being offended and get founded on the rock. We would rather be wrong and die in our offense than embrace being offended and have life eternal with the Father. And my question for you is this morning is, are there some things in your life that you don't understand? Are there some things in your life that you're struggling with? Are there some questions about Scripture that you fully haven't come into a knowledge of? And my first question to you is this, is what's your approach? Because if your approach is through intellect rather than through faith, that the God Almighty will speak to you and reveal himself to you through the question that you have. If your approach is through intellect rather than through faith, you're never going to get there. But also, if your approach is through the, the area of you're pursuing it through a works-based thing of it'll all work itself out, you're going to miss it and you're going to trip over it. And number three, a lot of us have tripped over a lot of things, but we'd rather die in our ignorance than to admit we've been wrong about something. And here comes the big problem with hazard number three. We all heard this phrase, if you're not changing or growing or conforming in the image of Christ, most would likely say, you're dying. You're dying, but I say there's something much worse than that. If you're not growing, changing, and conforming your life to the image of Christ, you're doing much more worse than dying. You're becoming a hard-hearted and religious person that can't hear the Father's voice while you're living. And I would much rather die any day of the week than not hear the Father's voice while I'm living here on this earth. See, dying would be a treat by not hearing the Father's voice if I had to live in a place where I never heard the voice of God again. And my question for you is this. Will you embrace Jesus as the stumbling stone and the rock of offense in your life? Just as you'll embrace him as the great I am and the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Will you embrace him, Jesus Christ, as the rock of offense in your life? And will you say, I'm okay with God, you changing how I believe. I'm okay with this coming into my life. I'm okay with you in my life, even though it's heavy, even though it may be hard at times, even though when it drops, it's going to make a boom. Some of our Christian walks need a boom. And when you trip over it, the funny thing is, if you'll stop for a moment and you'll look at it, and you'll begin to dig around the rock of offense that you stumbled over, and you begin to dig deep enough, you'll notice it's way more than a rock. It's a treasure that you've always needed. It's something in your life that God says, I can build on this. And instead of cursing the rock, some of you need to come and you just need to kiss him. And you need to praise him that something offended your life enough to make you seek him more. You need to praise him. Instead of getting mad at all the believers around you who may not fully understand the knowledge that you're at. Maybe we need to praise him when we see something happening in our life that doesn't settle right with us. Because he may be trying to open our eyes to a greater understanding of himself. And instead of kicking and cursing the rock, maybe we ought to celebrate the stumbling rock and the rock of offense. Just like we celebrate the great I am and the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you know, the more I hear this phrase, the more I realize one thing. Dependency will open up perceptibility, the ability to see, hear, and touch, and be with the Father. 
the more aware I am of God in my life, the less I trip over Jesus Christ, the stumbling stone, and I get to praise Jesus Christ, the great I am. But here's the thing. If you're founded on the rock of Jesus Christ already, you need to celebrate. You need to celebrate like never before because you know that you're in a place to hear from him and he's not a stumbling stone. But here's the deal. If he is the stumbling stone for you today, here's the amazing thing. If you stumbled over him like I talked about originally, you're close enough to touch him. And if you're close enough to touch him, you're close enough to be changed by him. And if you're close enough to get changed by him, it means you're already loved by him. Because I don't believe you stumble over just a stone that you didn't see. I believe he put, intentionally puts Christ in your path. Yes. He intentionally puts Jesus in your life. Yes. And it's our choice, I believe, many times whether we stumble over him and he becomes the rock of offense or we stand on him and he becomes the great I am and the king of kings and the Lord of lords for our life. Yes. Yeah. As the worship team comes this morning, I want to ask you, which way are you celebrating today? Are you celebrating that he is the great I am, because you know who he is and you're walking humbly with the Lord your God and he's at a place in your life? Or are you the other person today that you know that you got things in your life that you stumbled over and you just can't uh, get it right, seems like? Today, why don't you kiss the rock instead of curse it? And go back and evaluate your approach. Because here's the key this morning across this whole auditorium, balcony looking at me as well. Many of you approached your salvation moment through intellect. And your approach to your salvation was wrong from the beginning. Therefore, you're not seeing the fruit of your life like you should. Because you were told, hey, you just need to make sure Jesus is Lord of your life so you don't go to hell one day. You put no faith at all in the King of kings and Lord of lords who bled and died for you. And was raised to get a newness of life for you. So therefore your whole approach being wrong. You don't even have an assurance that you're born again and founded on the rock. Well today I pray it becomes a stumbling rock for you. I pray it becomes a rock of offense for you. That I hope that you trip over and you look up and you see Jesus and all his glory standing there. And you say I'm going to approach this one by faith. Some of you you need to come to a fresh approach today. An approach by faith. An approach that says, Jesus, I trust you because of who you are. And I'm doing it by faith. I don't know the fullness of it, but I know enough to know that i got to trust in someone greater than myself. Yes, and that is you and you alone. Right. And I want you to take an approach to Christ by faith this morning. As the ministers come and get ready to minister. Some of you this morning, you know that you're born again. And you know that you're founded on the rock. You know that you've been transformed because you approached him by faith. God revealed himself to you and you have an understanding. You may not be fully there yet, but you're on your way. But you have some issues in your life. And you just can't seem to get past the issues. Maybe God's saying you need a different approach. Because all you've ever heard, if I just go to the altar or go to the pastor and have him pray, all those things work, but is it your approach? How is God telling you to approach this issue? Because many times when an issue arises, we run to the, to the pastor and say, help, I got a problem, when you never even look for the voice of God. And heaven forbid I should become your voice of God. He wants to speak to you personally. You intimately. You in a way that you say, he's my God. He is my rock. And I'm founded on him for generations to come. Everybody stand with me this morning.
I'm going to set this rock right here at the very front. Because some of you need to come this morning. And y'all, there ain't nothing special about this rock. When I get done with this rock, it's going right back out in the fountain. It's going to get nasty Martin Springs water all over it. Amen. Uh, it, There's nothing special about this rock. So don't make this rock your idol.